thank you guys and welcome back Trey from and Stacy and Caitlin and Robbie from a week of vacation and flat tires and and all the fun that goes with that um, and so thank glad you guys are back and thanks for those who stood in last week uh, to serve you I want to say a word of thanks uh, this morning for those who serve in countless ways in our church I was thinking that as we were getting ready for baptism this morning there's a team up there who literally puts on my pants uh, to get in the baptismal. And they, they, they big rubber, you know, things that, uh, waders that I wear, and they, they're down there, and they, they pull them off my feet. I, I could do it myself, but it would take me a while, and I'd probably get injured doing it. But they, um, I mean, when you think about that, uh, that's about as close to a foot-washing attitude as you can get. You know, somebody is down there literally doing that for me, for the church, for our mission, for baptism, uh, we got guys in the balcony um, working every week, Invisible, the art camp team, just all over the place. The Lord sees those things, uh, and they matter to him. And your spirit in, in making that offering uh, makes a difference. And so just thank you for doing that, and I thank God that that is the heart of our church. I mean, you don't have to look far, and you see uh, that that's, uh, that's where our heart is, and that's where we want to be, uh, servants, uh, just like Jesus was a servant. So thank you, guys. Thanks for the great spirit in the church this morning. Heard a lot of um, good fellowship in our life groups all over the building. On a holiday weekend, we wound up with 144 people in life groups. That's tremendous, and I, I credit you uh, for that, and I praise the Lord for that, uh, for the great fellowship. Our student ministry had 16 students, and uh, 20 altogether, if you include their adult leaders, they had to leave the room they normally meet in and uh, meet in another room today. And so just thankful for the blessings of God there. And so we're going to go into the word now. If you'll turn with me to Ephesians uh, chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 10. Uh, this is the last chapter of Ephesians. And as you know, we've been here for a while. And uh, this is a section that I've anticipated some on spiritual warfare, if you want to say that, or spiritual, um, standing firm spiritually against uh, an enemy, the devil. The devil is named in this text. He is an actual and a personal enemy. He is active, we talked about last week. He is powerful, not as powerful as God. In fact, many people see the devil and God as just two sides of the same coin, both equally powerful, but one good and one evil. Listen, that couldn't be further from the truth. The devil, as a fallen angel, is a created being. He is finite. He is limited. His power could not be further from the power of God. And in fact, any operations that the devil and his demons undertake are all able to be restricted or allowed by the Lord. And one day, there will come a time when finally, he and all who follow him will be... Uh, captive forever in what the Bible calls the lake of fire. It will be settled once and for all. But uh, as a created being, the devil is not like God. And so don't, don't think that. When we face this opponent, the Bible is able to say, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world, because the Lord Jesus has already conquered. We fight from victory, not for victory. And we can praise God for that today. And so he, he is a defeated enemy. But until that final day of defeat, 
a battle still wages, and in his target, in his scope, in his crosshairs, are those of us who would seek to live faithfully for the Lord Jesus. If you're not living faithfully for the Lord Jesus, if, 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 if your spirituality is just a byword in your life, then you're probably not significant enough to the enemy to do much battle and warfare against you. He's got you where he wants you. All he needs to do is leave you alone. But if you are seeking to follow Christ, if you are seeking to put away sin, if you are, are seeking to, 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 to suppress flesh and the self and to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of the eternal salvation for which the Lord Jesus bled and died, then listen, you're in a war. Necessarily so. It's not even an option. You've got an enemy who wants to render you neutralized and useless for the kingdom of God. And so last week we talked about this, about putting on the whole armor of God so that we can be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. And today we're going to embark on kind of a mini-series within our series about the armor of God. And we're going to explore what's called the belt of truth, a short little verse. In fact, just part of a verse, verse 14a, if you want to put it that way. And we're going to look at together and examine this one piece of the armor of God. And so if you've got your Bible, turn to Ephesians 6. If you don't have a Bible, uh, these words will be on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible in your life, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word. And we have those uh, at no cost to you on the table in the back as you leave. Do not be afraid to pick that up if you need that, okay? We want you to have that, and that's why, <clears throat> that's why they're there. Verse 10 of chapter 6. Finally, the Apostle Paul, <clears throat> drawing to an end of his letter to the Ephesians, <clears throat> finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Whose strength is strong enough for this battle, yours and mine? No, the Bible doesn't tell us, hey, Christians, get stronger. The Bible tells us to draw near and, and to live within the strength of the might of the Lord Jesus. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. Whose armor? God's armor. Your armor is not good enough. What you would go to is not good enough. Even moral goodness is not good enough. Your money is not good enough. Your status, your reputation, all that you rest on, your strength is never good enough. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes. Your Bible may say the wiles, the schemes of the devil. He's a sneaky, he's a wise enemy. He doesn't come at us in the way we might expect. It's not a forward frontal attack. The devil is sneaky. He comes at us in places that we're weak. We need that armor of God. Verse 12 for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against the things we think we wrestle against, right? We get mad at politicians, but it's not really politicians advancing the evil of our world. There is an invisible realm behind this. There are rulers and principalities behind this. We get mad at, at sin, but there is one who is just advancing sin in our world we get mad at our flesh and we say hey you know <clears throat> these temptations you know the, the, all this that's coming against me but there's one who exploits that against us we don't wrestle against flesh and blood you're not going to defeat satan with pride or with a sword 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the high places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Verse 14, this is where we're going to sit this morning. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness or the preparation given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The armor of God is what's necessary to defeat the evil one. There are, uh, right now in Arlington National Cemetery, 245,000 little miniature American flags. And here's a picture of them. Uh, They are put out by what's called the Old Guard, the third the United States 3rd Infantry Regiment, uh, they do this every year. These are the guys who stand guard at the tomb of the unknown soldier. Uh, they spend years preparing for this. Everything matters in what they do. And on this one day, they go out, all of them together, and 245,000 flags are put perfectly at equidistance from every tombstone in Arlington National Cemetery as an honor uh, for those who have fallen in defense of our country. In an interview with one of these guys, one of the supervising soldiers in this unit, he talked about when they're getting dressed, every loose thread is important. Every loose thread is uh, something that takes away from the honor shown on that day. Every scuffed shoe, every thumbprint on a piece of brass. They stand there in the mirror and they, they look at each other and they have the mirrors all around like in a, an old style tailor shop and, and they make sure everything is perfect. And while they're putting on each piece, he said, in their mind, they're confronted with many questions, with many thoughts of the honor that they're about to give to those they're going to represent that day in a funeral or at the tomb of the unknown soldier or in, even in doing this task on this day and as we face the prospect today of putting on the armor of God there are some questions we've got to confront we've got to do some soul what searching we've got to decide are we going to be real about what God has called us to do and so I want to look at these three questions together this morning the first is this as we think about fastening on the belt of truth the question is are you committed to the battle are you committed to this battle because the act of fastening a belt for battle and we're talking about ancient times here in fact the apostle paul as he wrote this was in prison he may have been looking at the soldiers attending to him and as he's led by the holy spirit writing to the ephesians uh, this this final chapter of this letter He may have taken from that imagery exactly what was pinned down in this book of the Bible. And so in ancient times to get ready for battle, you had to fasten on the belt of truth. Why did you have to do that? For a lot of reasons. But one, it was symbolic in significance. We have a term called throwing down the gauntlet, don't we? That's, a, that's an old glove from medieval times. It, somehow it signified if there's a fight about to happen, 
If it's about to get real, they would throw down the gauntlet, right? You're, you're fully committed at that point. No backing out. I watch old TV shows a lot, and uh, one of my favorite is The Rockford Files. Anybody know of James Garner and The Rockford Files? Okay, good. Guy, teenagers, kids, that's an old show. You would hate it, uh, and, uh, but it's good. <clears throat> James Rockford, Jim Rockford was <clears throat> kind of a gentleman, private detective. Uh, he always had a good manners. He always stood up when somebody, when a lady came into the room, uh, just that kind of guy, smooth kind of guy. He always wore a sports coat. Wherever he went, and he, he lived in hot California, wore a sports coat, sometimes he would have to get in a fight. Do you remember the old shows? What would they always do but when they were ready to fight? They'd take off their coat, right? I mean, it, it's just a symbol. Hey, it's about to get real. I'm going to fight you now. Uh, you remember Superman, uh, when Clark Kent was ready to become Superman. What did he have to take off? His glasses, right? You can't go and do Superman stuff. You can't go and be in battle like that when you're wearing glasses, right? There, there's lots of things we do that symbolize, hey, things are about to get real. The fight is on now. And in this case, they're not taking off their jacket or taking off their glasses or throwing down that armored glove, that gauntlet there. What they're doing is tightening their belt. And you can imagine on the field of warfare in ancient times, when it's about to get real, these guys would make sure everything's ready and ready to go. The battle is engaged. We're coming, and there's no going back. This is a symbol of resolve. It's a symbol of finality. It's a symbol of full givenness to the conflict at hand. There's no turning back now. And for Christians to whom Paul was writing and to whom God is issuing this command, we are to fasten on the, the belt of truth. Your Bible may say to gird your loins about, right? Uh, the, the, word, the old word is gird, but we're to put on the belt of truth. Are you ready to signify today? that you're not just a Christian in name only. Are we ready to signify today that something has changed enough in us that our eyes are on Jesus, that we're living for him, come what may, and the flaming darts of the evil one, this Satan, this deceiver, this devil, this slanderer, as they come at us, have you fastened your belt to say, no matter what, I belong to Jesus now and forevermore, and if the battle has to come, then I'm in it. It's going to be me. I'm a part of this. God's command for Christians to put on the armor of God includes the necessity of determining that you're going to be serious about this thing, that you've resolved to give yourself to be an alert, an able, and an active warrior in the warfare that comes with living for Christ, and it does come with living for Christ. If you're going to live for Christ, be ready for this. Are you committed to the battle? The fire, firefighters have a term that I am very familiar with now, sadly. The, the, the term is fully involved. You ever heard that term? A house or a, a structure, what kind of fire is it? Is it a grease fire in the kitchen? Is, is it something that's isolated or, or is the thing, is it just fully involved? Is this, is this that type of fire? 
You know that the Bible talks about God in the Old Testament and the New Testament as a consuming fire. His desire, and as he takes up residence in your heart, is that it would be fully involved. Are you ready to live that way for the Lord Jesus? And are you ready for the flaming darts that are going to come? What consumes your heart today? Are you committed to this battle? But secondly, the second question that we're confronted with is, are you prepared for the battle? Not only do they have to be committed to the battle, not only was this tightening of the belt, this fastening on of the belt, a symbolic thing, it was also a practical thing. It carried practical significance. There was a reason, a real reason, soldiers would gird their loins about with a belt in that day. That's because the way they were dressed, there was lots of garments that, that hung loose. In fact, they wore like a kilt almost. Uh, and then above that, they wore a tunic, which uh, went down above the kilt, went just below knee level. They had swords and shields. They had all, all kinds of an array of, of things fastened to them. And when you're running into battle, guess what the last thing you want is? To get tripped on your dress, right? Yeah. <laughs> To get tripped or, or, or to, to, to be able to want to take long strides and charge in, but your knees can only go so far because, of, because they're constrained down here. The last thing you want is to have loose hanging garments and in hand-to-hand combat for your enemy to have something to, to take hold of, to pull back on, uh, to, to gain advantage over you. And so the symbolic significance was to declare the readiness But the practical significance was to say, I've got to get all this stuff together and tight so that when I go in, I don't give any advantage. I don't trip. I don't fall. And they would take those loose hanging garments and they would draw them up. And with that belt, they would fasten it all together so that they were ready for battle. Nothing is hanging loose. Nothing's falling apart. That's where the word gird comes from. Maybe you've ever heard of the word girdle. Anybody know what that is still? Girdle? Some of y'all do? Okay. Uh, your girdle, kids, uh, if you don't know, is, is just a garment that's supposed to hold it all in, right? Um, gird your loins about. Uh, I, after vacation this year, after vacation this year I, I, uh, or every year, I contemplate a lot of things. Vacation is a good thinking time, but one thing I always contemplate is my weight uh, after vacation because you got to go to that beach, don't you? And they've got to see you. All of them got to see you. And, um, and you wind up with tan lines in places nobody ought to have tan lines. So I was contemplating this, and I got on my phone and found an app where you can enter what you eat. It tells you how many calories it is, and you can log your food for the day. I downloaded the app, and... Because my phone spies on everything that I do and tells the world about it, apparently it told every advertising company in the world that I wanted to lose weight. And I started getting these ads on my phone for this garment for men. It comes way up to here. It starts way down there, and it comes way up to here. And it's made out of this tight compression fabric that's that's supposed to hold it all in. I thought... I'm insulted that they, that they would send this to me. 
but I guess it's because they thought I was kind of like a Roman soldier. Um, and so, but they started sending this to me, and, and, and things that, that shouldn't be loose, right? These are supposed to hold in. A girdle, it, you gird your loins about with the belt of truth. And so those things in our spiritual life, uh, like a garment or like being overweight, the, the, the things that ought not to be flying around and, and hanging loose, uh, you put on the belt of truth spiritually, you put it on spiritually to, tie, to tighten those things up, to, to cut off the fabric that ought not be there, to the, the things that could trip you up. Things that you don't want the enemy, our enemy, Satan, to gain an advantage in our life by being able to take hold of something that we're not disciplined in, that, that's hanging loose uh, on our wardrobe or on our uniform. That was the reason soldiers would do that. I want to ask you the question today, what are the loose ends of your spiritual life? What are those things that you know should not be a part of your life if you're seriously going to wage battle against a spiritual enemy. What are the sins in your life? What are the little sins, I might say? Just practically speaking, someone might say there are no little sins, but just to speak plainly, what are the little sins that, you don't really, that you've gotten used to, you've gotten comfortable with? After all, nobody else cares about it. They're little, they're acceptable. What are the big sins? What are the public sins? What are the hidden sins? Nobody even knows about this, Matthew. Why should I worry about this? Because you've got a loose thread on your garment that could trip you up, that the enemy could use to gain advantage or access into your life. What are, uh, what's your prayer life like? Infrequency, infrequency in prayer, friends needs to be girded up. We need to be with the Lord. Infrequency in God's word uh, needs to be, I mean, that, you need to fasten that up. You don't go into battle in that condition. What are the attitudes and the lazinesses and all that goes with that? What are the loose ends in your life? Hebrews 12 says this, let us also, just like the... the the saints of old, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. One loose end in our lives is, is often what are we looking to to save us? What are we looking to to define us? The Bible says here, look to the Lord Jesus and lay that stuff aside. What do you need to lay aside today? It's not enough to be committed to the battle. It's not enough for that symbolic commitment. Say, hey, I'm ready. Christians must be ready for what's coming because the battle is real. The stakes are high and the tactics are sophisticated. What do you need to tie off in your life? What sins, what habits have you grown comfortable with by not being battle ready? It's time to fasten our belts. It's time to be ready to move forward. Are you committed to the battle? Are you prepared for the battle?
But lastly, are you equipped for this battle? Are we equipped for this battle? What is this belt made of? That matters, doesn't it? I mean, it's not just a belt in this case. It's the belt of something. It's the belt of truth. It matters what something is made of. It matters because what it's made of broadcasts our seriousness. It shapes our readiness for the spiritual battle. And this belt is the belt of truth. I brought this baseball glove today uh, because we have it at our house. It's an old one from when the ki- one of the kids was little. Uh, where it should be leather here, it's kind of a plastic fabric. And we got it out the other day because we had an extra person playing catch with us. And on the front here, it, it's, not, it's not authentic or genuine leather. And, you know, it's just almost like a little toy. We got it out to play with. And you can't hardly catch anything with this glove. I mean, just because of what it's made of, when the ball hits it, it just, it just bends back. It, it's not tough. It's not ready. It, it's not only that we have a belt. It's not enough that we cinch our belt. It matters what the belt is composed of. And in this case, the belt for Christians, the belt for you and me, is to be a belt of truth. What is this truth? I think it could mean truth-telling, that we're to be a truthful people. But I don't think that's what's mainly in view here. I think it is the truth of God's Word that's in view here. The eternal the lasting, the unchanging truth, that which is spoken out by God and recorded in his word here, we are to be familiar with the truth enough that our life is held together by it, that it is the truth that helps us to put off other things. Why is this important? Because our enemy, the devil, guess what? He's a liar. In fact, look with me here. He's a very good and a very unceasing liar. His name means slander, diabolos, slanderer, deceiver. The way he comes at Christians is to lie to them, just like he did in the Garden of Eden. You will not surely die. Do you remember that? You will not, what God said is not true. Just like he did with the Lord Jesus when he misquoted scripture to him uh, as he was tempting him, he came at the Lord Jesus with a lie. He is a liar. In John chapter 8, here's what Jesus said about him. You are of your father the devil, speaking to some Pharisees. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. That's strong. That's absolute. How much truth is in Satan? None. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. That is who he is. He is a liar. He cannot but lie. That's that's what he does, for he is a liar, the Bible says, and the father of lies. We need the truth because our enemy is an exceptional liar. He's convincing and persuasive, and believe me, he knows the mind of human beings and of Christians. He's been coming at them for millennia with absolute precision. This is a liar. We need the belt of truth. The Second Corinthians chapter 11 puts it this way. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Isn't that tricky? He disguises himself as something good. Have you ever seen that in your life? Seems like it seems so good. I mean, it feels right. 
It, it, fe- it feels like something that should be. I feel like we should be together. After all, we love each other. I feel like that, that you know, uh, th- this should be accepted, even though the Bible says it's wrong. It, it, he comes to us as disguising himself as, a, as an angel of light. Verse 15, so it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. These are human servants in this case. The servants of Satan, his mouthpieces in our world, disguise themselves as upright. Some of them may disguise themselves as pastors and spiritual leaders. Some of them may disguise themselves as upright, godly politicians. But in many ways, in many times, they are deceiving us just like their father the devil does. Their end, the Bible says, will correspond to their deeds. Their end will correspond to their deeds. The belt must be the belt of truth. It has to be the belt of God's eternal truth. How well do you know God's word? I don't think any of us here knows it perfectly, and I don't think I'm asking that. But how often are you in this thing? How ready are you when Satan whispers a lie to not only say, hey, hey, buddy, come on, I'm ready. My belt's on tight. To not only be prepared for what's ahead, but to be equipped with the word of God to fight this battle. Why am I suffering this way? Why am I victimized this way? Why am I duped this way? Why is there no victory? Why is there only sorrow? Why at every turn does there seem to be defeat? Why is Satan gaining advantage in my life? It may be, it may be because your belt is made out of something other than what God wants you to be adorned with. The belt of truth, his bombardment, Satan's bombardment of lies, It batters the minds of believers. It targets them to turn away from the truth of God, sometimes knowingly, sometimes unknowingly. It's disastrous. What would you say is the unifying force in your life? What is the thing in your life that ties it all together? What do you rely on for these matters? What is the belt at your center which ties it all up for your walk with the Lord. Something's there. If it's not the word of God, something else is there tying things together for you. If it's not the word of God, you're vulnerable, you're susceptible. Put on the belt of truth. Fasten on the belt of truth. Gird about your loins with the belt of truth. We were in here the other day in this room with a contractor who's helping us look at the ceiling and had a few of us here just talking to him, getting some advice, and uh, Jerry Jackson was here. He was one of them. Jerry's 81 years old. Uh, I asked permission to say that. Um, He is 81 years old, and um, he brought with him a little laser pointer, a little, you know, so he could could come in this room, and when he wanted to point something up there, he didn't just have to simply use the, the finger, right? he just shoot his laser at it. And, and I thought, that's pretty clever, right? Plus, it saved, it, Jerry, it saved you the, the, la- the labor of having to, to, do, to put a finger up there. <laughs> of course, as a, as a boy, a guy, I thought that was awesome, you know? <laughs> I thought, where did he get that? How much did that cost? Where can I find one that's better and bigger and brighter? 
<clears throat> but as we were talking, time went on. We were in here for a while, and I kept hearing a noise. Beep, 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 you know, over and over again. Over time, it just happened randomly. And, and I thought, what in the world is that? I thought, something's broken in, in the room. I thought, this thing was messing up. Or I thought, some batteries are dying in something. It's trying to alert us. It went on and on. I thought, as soon as they leave, I'm going to find out what, what, what's happening here. And I heard it one time, and I looked real quickly, and I saw it was Jerry just pulling the trigger of his laser pointer for no reason. He wasn't pointing at anything. And I thought, it never dies. Whether you're a little boy, whether you're my age, whether you're 81 years old, you put something in a boy's hand with a trigger or a button, or if you give us the power to do it, we're going to pull that thing over and over again. I mean, you know it's true. It's probably not just true of boys. It's probably true of all of us in here. And I, want, I just thought of that in light of this text today. The Lord Jesus, God, has placed into the hand of believers something of immense power. I mean, just think about what this is. God, the God of the ages, the eternal Yahweh God, the, 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 the Savior of the world, the creator of all things, timeless in existence, limitless in power, existing in all places at all time, knowing everything. This God, the one true and living God, the God of David in the face of Goliath, the God of Elijah in the face of Jezebel on Carmel. Uh, the, the God of the Lord Jesus in the face of the darkness of the tomb wrote us a book, as it were. He has come and given us his mind, all that we need for life and godliness. He's placed it in our hands. Why, why would we not be clicking that button why do we not go to it? Why do we not know it? Why do we resist it? Young people, teenagers, if you're serious about your faith, if you're, ser if you're serious about God having reached into your life miraculously, unexplainably, if you're honest with yourself, you know you have never deserved that. If we're serious about that, why aren't we going to his Heart. The belt is the belt of truth. And so I ask you today, is it time to get real? Is it time to do this? Is it time to cinch it up? Have a look around. See what's hanging off that shouldn't be there. And ask God and go to God and pledge to God that you want to be different. That you want to be ready for battle in the way he makes you ready. You can make your de declaration today. Maybe it's time to say it. Lord, I'm on your side, and I'm going to do all I can to be ready. You can't do it alone. Remember, you can do all you can, but it must be the Lord and the strength of his might. Invite him in. Meet him there today. Let's pray. No better day than Independence Day.
Life and 